Welcome to the Jesus Christ, Our Savior and Redeemer podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, featuring BYU devotionals and forums that testify of Christ's teachings, His life, ministry, and mission, and His sacred atonement. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. Brothers and sisters, it's wonderful to be with you at the first year and the new millennium. Sister Bateman and I so much enjoy our association with you. We are pleased that everyone returns safely to campus following the holidays. This is an especially important time in the history of the command to take the gospel to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people is moving forward at a rapid pace. The world is being prepared for the return of its creator. We know not the day or the hour of his coming. And still are unfulfilled. However, key events associated with the Savior's triumphant return are being recorded on the pages of history. The gospel has been restored. Elijah has returned. Missionaries, trees, and temples are beginning to dot the earth. The choir's beautiful rendition of Handel's Lift Up Your Heads is a reminder of the day when the gates of the New Jerusalem, the Holy City, will be open for the Savior of the world. And Today, Sister Bateman and I wish to speak about commitment to eternal truths and the principles and values that must motivate our actions if we are to qualify for entry into that holy place. Our talks will draw on an experience in Japan a few years ago. In the summer of 1993, Sister Bateman and I received an assignment to serve in the Asia North area, which included Japan, Korea, and Far East Russia. The opportunity to live in the part of the world was exciting. We had lived in Europe and Africa earlier, but Asia was new to us. As a member of the area presidency, I had the responsibility for stakes, districts, and missions in the three countries. One of the key to conduct mission tours. Each mission of the church is visited annually by a general authority, usually a member of the area presidency. The presidency member and his wife travel with the mission president and his wife throughout the mission, visiting missionaries. Shortly after our arrival in Japan, a mission tour was scheduled for the Fukuoka Mission on the island of Kyushu. Sister Bateman and I were to meet with President and Sister Cyril Figueres and tour their mission. The tour began, a tropical storm, one of the worst in the history of Japan, struck Kyushu with typhoon force wreaking havoc across the island. The city of Kagoshima on the island's southern tip was particularly as roofs were ripped off buildings, homes were demolished as they slid down mountainsides, trains came to a halt, and cars were swept into the ocean. Initially, there was concern about the safety and welfare of the missionaries and the saints. Reports confirmed that everyone was safe. A few days later, we learned of many acts of service that the missionaries had rendered during the storm. Missionaries had directed traffic at busy intersections where stoplights had failed and change a flat tire in the midst of a gale, as the owner was unable to secure his car on the jack and remove the good tire from the trunk. Throughout the island, missionaries had assisted people in protecting their homes and personal belongings. Over and over, 
demonstrated love for the people through acts of kindness and service. In the week immediately following the storm, missionaries spent hours and days cleaning homes of thick layers of mud and helping with repairs. After the storm, Sister Bateman and I met President and Sister Figueres in Fukuoka on the north end of the island and then flew to Kagoshima to begin the mission tour. We drove from the airport to the chapel where the missionaries were waiting as we entered the parking lot, we noticed the missionary standing outside the chapel in a line waiting to greet us. I remember that as we got out of the car and approached the missionaries, the spirit was so strong that it brought tears to our eyes and we could hardly contain our feelings. Their countenances exuded light. They were clean, well-dressed, and their mannerisms reflected an inner peace and humility. A strong impression came extraordinary experience, a refining one as they'd become Ammon-like servants to the Japanese people and to the master. The discussions that ensued in the zone conference, the lessons taught and testimonies born, confirmed our impressions. After the conference, Sister Bateman and I discussed what we had seen and felt. We wondered if the experiences associated with the storm were primarily responsible for the special spirit that prevailed among the Kagoshima missionaries. Obviously, they'd been impressed. But as we continued the tour and observed missionaries in other parts of the mission, we found a similar pattern of faith, obedience, and motivation to serve. We eventually concluded that there were a number of reasons for the faith displayed by the missionaries. The mission president was an effective teacher. The missionaries were obedient and responded to his teachings. And like Ammon and the sons of Mosiah, they studied the scriptures, they fasted and prayed, they worked, and they taught with power and authority. As we observed, Sister Bateman and I came to understand that the lives of these young men and women reflected a mission motto developed by the president, which they had accepted as a guide. To missionary work and to life, was described by this motto, which Sister Bateman and I wish to use as their theme today. Our intent is to explain the motto and liken its principles to your life at Brigham Young University. The principles taught in the motto apply not only to missionary activity, but to everyday life. The motto reads, Obedience is the price, Faith is the power, The motive, the Spirit is the key, and Christ is the reason. Sister Bateman and I will take turns in discussing the elements of the motto. I will begin with obedience is the price, Sister discussing the roles of faith and love in our lives, and I will conclude with remarks concerning the Spirit is the key and Christ is the reason. In discussing the motto with the mission president, I learned that his desire was to teach importance of obedience to gospel principles, and then they would govern themselves. He knew that missionaries would obey missionary rules if they believed in and were committed to a higher set of principles. Thus, he spent minimal time teaching from but considerable time teaching from the scriptures. The Savior and Ammon were the role models for the missionaries. He infused in them a desire to be Ammon-like in their service to the Japanese people. If the missionaries would humble 
repent, render quiet acts of service, and spend time studying, fasting, praying, finding, and teaching, converts would follow. At least that was the belief of the mission president. The mission president's efforts were rewarded. Obedient to the White Handbook because they were obedient to a higher set of laws. And they found investigators to teach who then found the gospel because of the way in which these young men and women lived. I feel the same way about the honor code at Brigham Young University. For the most part, you live the honor code not because you signed your name on a document, but because you were taught a higher law in your homes before coming to the university. That is true for many like. It is faith in a higher order that causes you to act and look the way you do. More than 90% of you stated in a recent national survey that you've never seen another student cheat on an exam at this university. Average for other universities is about 50%. In addition, you strive to live morally clean lives and dress modestly because you understand the sacred nature of the human body and desire to... In discussing the purposes of mortality, we point to the necessity of obtaining a physical body as a housing for the spirit so that we can become like our Father in heaven. But we don't often point out that a body combined with a spirit that contains godlike creative power. And if we honor that sacred power in mortality, we will have it in eternity. If we abuse that power, our success as a university stems from your obedience, which is based on faith in the Father and the Son and in the restoration of the gospel. To illustrate this point, visitors to campus notice a difference between this university and others. They remark on the cleanliness, the order that exists, and the light in people's countenances. Invariably, they ask, why are the students so happy? Two years ago, a high government official from Europe was sitting by me at lunch and we were discussing his visit, including the lecture he had given, the questions asked by the students and his tour of the campus. During the conversation, he said, President Bateman, last week I visited another campus in another state. Their students are different from yours. If some of their students were brought to this campus, could you make them look like your students? <laughs> I replied, I don't believe so. We would have to start with their parents. Behavior is a function of faith, and faith is determined by one's own willingness to submit to be obedient to higher laws. Experiment upon the word. The Savior declared that the power to redeem all mankind came from his Father as a result of his willingness to be obedient. He stated, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. On another occasion, Jesus said, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which hath me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Referring to the Savior's words, a BYU professor a few years ago wrote the following. 
such obedience and unity with the Father, the Lord could not have redeemed us. How else could he have had the power to stay with his mission in the face of the awful suffering it entailed? How else, except for us, could he have come to love us the way he did? Obedience is the price that produces faith. Obedience is the price that produces love and access to the Holy Spirit and ultimately to the celestial kingdom. It is the first law of heaven. Sister Bateman will now discuss the second and third principles of the motto. A warm welcome to all of you. Now is the time for looking forward to the new year and looking backward on the past year, like Janus, the two-faced Roman deity, for whom the month of January is named. Bateman has so powerfully illustrated, obedience is the price we pay to come closer to our Heavenly Father. Obedience is a way of demonstrating our faith. Obedience confirms that our belief is more than passive. It is an active force within us. Elder Bruce R. McConkie observed that there is a vital connection between obedience and faith. He explained, Faith is a gift of God bestowed for personal righteousness. It is always given when righteousness is present. And the greater this measure of obedience to God's laws, the greater will be the endowment of faith. There is kind of a feedback obedience and faith. We obey God's will based on the measure of faith we, uh, we have in us. But as we obey, the Lord strengthens our faith even more. As we continue to obey through our actions, our faith grows. Faith is the power. This is the next part in the Fukuoka mission model. Why was faith included in, included in the mission model? What is faith? Faith is a confidence and a trust in something. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, we read, Now faith is the substance or the confidence or assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is a principle of power. It is active. It causes something to happen. Some equate faith with belief, but faith is more dynamic than belief. Paired with faith, belief is passive. Belief is just an acceptance that something is so. For instance, even the devils believe in Christ, but they don't trust him. Or follow him. The scriptures state that faith is not a perfect knowledge of something, but a hope or even evidence of something not seen that is true. In the lectures on faith, the prophet Joseph Smith taught faiths are everyday activities. Faith is a power, as a power, is the moving cause of all action within us. Because faith dwells within the heart of every person on this earth, we are constantly power in sowing seeds of one kind or another with the assurance that sooner or later we will reap a harvest. For instance, the farmer plants seeds in his field 
with the hope of a harvest. Scholars and students, such as yourselves, exert themselves in pursuit of an education and eventually graduation because they believe that they can obtain their goal. The same thing is true with, a mission, with missionaries. If new missionaries feel that they can find a golden contact and then put forth much effort, effort, they will be successful. No wonder that faith was an important principle of the Fukuoka mission. Missionaries must have faith in themselves. They must have faith in the message that they are teaching. Without such faith, the prophet Joseph Smith said, both mind and body would be in a state of inactivity, and all of us would cease, both physical and mental. If a missionary sat around and did nothing, then the mission president knew that this missionary needed an increase of faith. If, as faith is of all action in temporal concerns, the prophet Joseph continues, so it is in spiritual things. All blessings, temporal and spiritual, we receive by faith. Having faith is an important ingredient in accomplishing our goals. We want to graduate from college, so we exert every effort to make it happen. However, some people put all their faith in just themselves. Faith in ourselves can be is not saving, and by itself it cannot be sustained. It does not lead to life and salvation. Saving faith centers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and through him in the The Apostle Paul preached that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jacob taught that men must have perfect faith in the Holy One of Israel, even Jesus Christ, they cannot be saved in the kingdom of God. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the first principle of his gospel. Faith in him is more than acknowledgement that he lives. It is more than professing belief. Faith in the Savior consists of a sure and complete reliance on him. As God, he has infinite power, intelligence, and love. There is no human body problem to solve. He descended below all things. He knows how to succor his people according to their needs. We must have unshaken faith in him, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save. Faith in him means that even though we, we don't understand all things, we know that he does, and we must look to him in every thought. Doubt not, fear not. The gospel is the perfect prescription for all human problems and social ills. But his gospel is effective only as it is applied in our lives. To show our desire to be one with our Savior, for the great mercy that he has extended to us to help us to gain eternal life, we must be actively engaged in showing forth our faith. We do this by prayer, by scripture study, and by keeping the commandments, attending church, and giving service to others, and even fulfilling our callings and duties in the church. And we also do it by expressing our testimony of him 
the Son of God. Strong faith in Peter's mind and heart when the Lord asked him, whom say, that ye, whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Is there any wavering in Peter when Christ taught the multitude at Capernaum, declaring himself to be the bread of life? Many of those there would not accept his teachings and went back and walked no more with him. Then said the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, of the living God. Christ is the Son of the living God, and he does indeed have the words to eternal life. Love is the motive. This is the next commission motto. As President Figueres urged the missionaries to be obedient and to develop their faith, he encouraged them to mature to the point where their actions and their goals were not motivated by fear or reward duty, but by a love for the, for the Lord and for those they served. The highest motive for keeping the commandments is a love for God and for his children. In fact, Christ has told us that the commandments are to love the Lord and to love our neighbors, and that they are the foundation of every other commandment. Love itself is a gift. It is difficult for us to love others if we do not feel loved. Sometimes we don't feel loved or at all lovable. And at these times, it may be difficult for us to feel motivated to exercise faith or to show love. But God does us more than we can comprehend at this time. We need to come to understand how great his love is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him perish, but have everlasting life. Many converts to the church report the overwhelming joy they feel in being converted to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They feel God's love for them, love that entices them to be baptized and follow him. John reminds us, we love him because he loved us first. I, too, have felt this love, a burning love that encompasses And when it is in you, it lights you, all of you. It transforms you. One way that we can experience a greater confirmation of God's love is through keeping our hearts and our minds pure. Look unto God with firmness of mind and pray unto him with exceeding faith, and he will console you in your afflictions, and he will plead your cause. O oh, all ye that are pure in heart, lift up Read the pleasing word of God. Feast upon his love. For ye may, if your minds are firm forever. Fasting and prayer can bring us closer to the Lord, and it can rekindle in us love that brought us to commit ourselves to the Savior in the first place. We have been promised that if we keep the Lord's commandments with a sincere desire to do what is right, 
He will not withhold his love from us. As the Father has, hath loved me, so hath I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have We need to have the faith that the Lord does indeed love us. We exercise that faith through obedience. And then through this obedience, we begin to feel the Lord's love even more powerfully in our lives. These principles are interconnected. They engender and reinforce each other. And as we feel the Lord's love take root within our heart, as we uh, taste of that sweetest of all fruits, then our love is kindled us. My young brothers and sisters, there are so many of our Father's children in the world today who need our love, who need us to reach out and bring them into our circle. It may be that your expression of love provides that, that witnesses to them that God loves them. Through your loving actions, they may even gain an assurance that God is a loving God in whom they can place their faith. I am touched by the chorus written by Deanna Edwards entitled, Am I Beautiful to You? Am I beautiful to you? Have you eyes to see my soul? Do you know that I'm a child of God and your love can make me whole? Beautiful to you? Do you see my light within? Please love me from the inside out and not from the outside in. Share your own rich stores of love with those around you. You will find that as you do, you continue to reap more love and joy. Our obedience takes on new meaning as we cross over from keeping the letter of the law and begin to keep the spirit of the law. Obedience and love are not easily separated from each other. The source of our faith comes from understanding the nature of God, that he is a good and loving God who has the power to save us. The source of our rests in a love for God and in the faith that by keeping the commandments, we will partake more fully of God's love. It is my hope that each of us will exercise the faith necessary to call upon the Lord and witness that he lives and that he loves us it is my prayer that with this renewed confirmation of God's love that we may open our hearts to others. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. The Spirit is the key. I have wonderful testimony concerning faith is the power and love is the motive for our behavior. She mentioned a feedback loop that exists between obedience and faith. She stated, we obey God's will based on the measure of faith in us. As we obey, the Lord strengthens our faith even more. What is the connecting link between obedience producing faith and then greater faith leading to more obedience? As President Figueres noted, the Spirit 
The Holy Ghost is the connecting link, the key to the relationship. The Holy Spirit confirms one's obedience to gospel principles with an assurance or witness to that person that he or she is the confirmation or witness adds to one's knowledge, which increases faith. Additional faith increases access to the Spirit, which helps us to be even more obedient. The spiritual assurances may be in the sensation, a peaceful feeling, increased joy or love. The Holy Ghost has many fruits with which to bless a person and increase one's testimony. The spiritual assurance through the Holy Ghost with the powers of the atonement to change our nature from that of the natural man or woman to that of a saint or a celestial person. Listen to King Benjamin's words. For the enemy to God and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit and putteth off the natural man, and becometh a saint through the atonement of and becometh as a child submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon him, even as a child doth submit to his father. The Holy Ghost serves the Father and the Son. He is our connecting link to them, Christ promised the eleven apostles after the Last Supper that he would send another comforter, even the Spirit of Truth, who would teach them all things, guide them into all truth, bring all things to their remembrance, and show them things to come. The Savior further said that the Holy Ghost would not speak for himself. Receive from him, Christ, that which he was to tell us and show to us. The Savior knows us perfectly. Through the atonement, he knows how to succor us. When prompting regarding a question asked in prayer or a feeling of love for another person, or if one feels a con- has a confirming feeling during a person's testimony, where does that come from? One recognizes that the Holy Ghost is at work. But in addition, since the Holy Ghost represents the Savior, one should also recognize that the ultimate source of those feelings, or that prompting, is the Redeemer. Have you ever thought of the many roles played by the Holy Ghost in our lives? He is a cleanser, a guide, a teacher, a justifier, a healer, a witness, a comforter, a quickener, a revelator, a sealer, and a sanctifier. He is the key. He knows when we are obedient. He knows how to comfort us when in need. He knows how to assist us without abrogating agency. Now Christ is the reason. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ, We are blessed through modern revelation to know more about Christ and his purposes than any other people on this earth. We know him as Jehovah of the Old Testament and as the Son of God.
we know his relationship to the Father as the firstborn spirit in premortality and as the Son of God in the flesh with Mary as his mother. We understand the Father's plan presented in the premortal council, willingness to serve as the executor of the covenant, to be the mediator and redeemer of all mankind. We know our relationship to him. He is our eldest brother in the spirit. These truths are not generally understood. We also have a broad understanding of his earthly mission, including the atonement. We certainly know more about the atonement and his power to change us from mortality to immortality and from corruptible to incorruptible be beings, teachings in the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants. We know about his mission to the Western Hemisphere, which is not understood by others. We know more about his work in the spirit world than anyone else. We understand the resurrection for him and for us. Finally, we know about his sealing power. We understand that a key purpose of this earth is to form eternal families and that through the atonement, Christ has the power to bind together for eternity. Christ is the basis for all that we do. He is the reason we do missionary work. Without the Savior and his atonement, there would be no good news to spread. Without him, temple work would Our progress would stop. But he did partake of the bitter cup and finished his preparations unto the children of men. As we come to know him and to learn that they are means whereby man can be saved only in and through Christ. We become better students. We have a stronger influence on others. We serve more faithfully as missionaries. We raise better families. And we, come we become worthy to enter the holy city, following the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. May I close with a story which illustrates the influence you have on visitors to this campus as you live God the honor code. The story also speaks of the power missionaries have to change people's lives. But the moral of the story is the same whether you were a student at BYU, a missionary in Japan, or simply a member. Recently, as I discussed the Fukuoka mission motto and the typhoon experience with President Figueres, he shared the following story. During the storm that covered Kyushu in 1993, Brother Mitsunori Sumiya was in the torrential rain. He could barely see through the windshield of his car. He tried earnestly to dodge debris blowing across the streets. Traffic was chaotic because traffic lights no longer functioned. He explained that everyone was after their own personal welfare as they hurried home. Then he experienced a defining moment in his life. He saw two young missionaries directing traffic at an intersection. He went a little further, two missionaries helping a man change a flat tire. As he continued home, he saw other missionaries assisting people in various ways. This good brother said he had a feeling of shame come over him as he realized that his prayer and his only focus was to ask the Lord to protect his car from being damaged. In stark contrast, the young missionary's only focus 
seem to be in serving others. The member then received an over an empowering insight. The thought came to him, my core values are not rooted in Christ, but in worldly things. These young missionaries, only half my age, have Christ-like values. He realized that it is often in times of emotional stress and anxiety that one's true values are revealed. Months later, the member said to President Figueres, your missionaries are truly modern-day Ammons who serve the people of Japan spontaneously and without being compelled. They are constantly serving everyone all the time and everywhere because they want to, because love is their driving motive. During the years that followed, Brother Samia deepened his roots in Christ as a result of that experience, and his life began to change. Brother first president of the newly organized Kumamoto Stake a few years ago. It is my hope, brothers and sisters, that we will not shortchange ourselves in paying the price of obedience. We will enjoy the power that comes with faith, that we will have love as our motive, that we will live worthy to receive the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we will know that Christ is the reason. This is my prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the Jesus Christ, Our Savior and Redeemer podcast, presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU Speeches compilations on overcoming adversity by study and by faith. Come follow me, Love and Marriage, and the Prophet Joseph Smith. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.